The explosion was the first warning. The heavy detonation was heard all over West Orange, New Jersey, and every building in the plant was rocked by a giant concussion. Uh, flames leaped at once from all the windows. The walls were cracked by the force of the explosion. So ran the December the 10th, 1914 New York Times front page article describing the destruction of Thomas Edison's plant. What did Thomas Edison do, folks? Light bulb, right? He had a light bulb, electricity light bulb, right? He had a plant, uh, and it went on fire. For his part, Edison instructed his adult son, Charles, go get your mother and all her friends. They'll never see a fire like this again. Right? <laughs> when Charles objected, Edison said, it's all right. We've just got rid of a lot of rubbish. Right? <clears throat> the rubbish was estimated at $7 million, about $23 million today, uh, only two million of which was covered by insurance, and yet Edison positively refused to give in to discouragement. To the New York Times reporter, he simply said, although I am over 67 years old, I'll start all over again tomorrow. I'm pretty well burned out tonight, but tomorrow there will be a mobilization here, and the debris will be cleared away if it's cooled sufficiently, and I will go right to work to reconstruct the plant. In the background, the fire still raged. Was he mad? Doesn't it sound a bit mad? How did he do it? How could he watch his life's labor going up in flames and send for his wife to enjoy the spectacle? How could he, in the moment of adversity, say, but tomorrow, finishing his sentence with hope? The answer is simple. Thomas Edison knew how to work through discouragement. You know what? If you're going to succeed in anything in life, you need to learn to work through discouragement. Now, hopefully, you'll never see something like a five million loss uh, in a fire in a night and turn around, have to turn around and start again. But you know what you might? What often happens for people, though, in those, in those moments is they give up. I can't do this. It's too much. Nobody could do this. And you just give up. Somebody said that the measure of a man is what it takes to make him quit. Right? And you can quit in all kinds of things. It might not be <clears throat> a business. It might be a marriage. It might be a child. It might be your finances. Uh, it might be schooling. It might be the men's home. You can just quit. You, know, you get a knock and you say, that's it, I can't go any further. And usually what we do is we let the knock sink in because uh, it gives us an excuse for doing what we want to do. Right? Uh, you don't have to quit. And what we need to do tonight, we need to look at discouragement and see how, the, how, how we're going to combat discouragement. That's what your sheet's about. But we're going to read through Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to read the whole chapter. <clears throat> And then we'll come, uh, we'll finish this sheet tonight, but we'll come back and we'll look at uh, chapter 4 again next week from a different angle, right, with a different sheet, right? But Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. And it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before the brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break it down, break down their stone wall. Right, so the local people weren't all for what was going on. <clears throat> Some of them did not want to see the Jews building the wall again. They did not want them getting things sorted out and getting things right. Aren't there always begrudgers? You know, don't they say that our, the Irish people are a nation of begrudgers? Uh, 
And, you know, it's very true. Oftentimes, anybody who's doing well, they want to pull them down again. They want to tear it down again. Uh, anybody who's doing better than, than, than you, uh, oftentimes people want to tear them down again. And here, here's the reality. If you're going to achieve anything in your life, you're going to have big grudges. You're going to have the people who complain about it and the people who moan about it and the people who want to tear it down. That's just reality. Okay? You, you can't go around with the illusion that everybody's going to be excited for your success. Because you're going to be very disappointed if you are. Everybody is not going to be excited with, with your success. As soon as you start to succeed, some people are going to want to try throw a grappling hook on you and pull you down again. And they're going to do what they possi- all they possibly can to do that. Now, as far as us being Christians, we have an enemy whose life's work, if you want to call it that, is to tear us down, bring us down. His life's work is to find some way uh, of <clears throat> knocking you down and getting you out of, out of the picture and out of, out of where God would have you to be. So here's what you're going to ha- it's going to happen for you. You're going to face adversity, begrudgery, people trying to pull you down and tear you down. It's, it's just the way it goes. You've got to expect that. Right? Now, l- let, me give you, let me give you uh, <coughs> some advice or a warning, if you like. Don't be the begrudger. Right? When somebody is blessed, you need to be blessed for them. You know, listen, because God blesses somebody else, doesn't mean he's got a shortage when it comes to you. Don't we sometimes act like that? Oh, no. They got blessed. That's not going to be enough for us to go on. That's when somebody else gets blessed. Listen, I tell you, well, you just rejoice at what God is able to do in their lives uh, and what he can do for you, too. You know, God doesn't have to do the same for all of us, but him blessing somebody else doesn't in any way diminish me. I'm going to rejoice uh, when God blesses other people. All right, back to our passage here. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey to the land of captivity. Now, what does Nehemiah do as soon as he notices that they're... the begrudges are getting going and they're, they're trying to tear him down. What's his instant response? And we're seeing this instant response from Nehemiah all the time. What does he do? He gives it over to God. He cries out to God. He calls out to God. You know, <clears throat> that's what you need to learn to do. Now, that's not natural for us. When, when things start to go wrong and people start to pull us down, uh, the natural tendency is towards a pity party. Isn't it? You want to start feeling sorry for yourself. It's not fair because they are tearing me down. <clears throat> so don't do that. Instead, cry out to the Lord. Right? And what you do when you cry out to the Lord is you bring him into the picture. And it's very important that you remember to bring God into your picture, especially when things look hard and look difficult. Right? <clears throat> And cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. I, and he, he, he reckons in verse 5 that the offense is against God. Now, how could he do that? How could he reckon the offense was against God? Paul. It was God's work. Now, was he sure of that? He wasn't doing a solo run. You know, he wasn't Nehemiah Sisk that went out to build a new wall uh, in Jerusalem and make a pile of money out of it. 
this was a God thing that Nehemiah had gotten involved in, that God had involved Nehemiah in. So he knew what he was doing was the will of God, was the work of God, that God was involved. So <clears throat> because he knew that, he could very well take, you know, listen, the approach is not against me, it's against God. Was he right, by the way? Who was stirring up these enemies to stop the wall from being built? Yeah, the enemy. Right? So understand that sometimes you get bent out of shape because people are being mean to you. They're not being mean to you at all. The reality is that what's going on is a spiritual warfare and they're actually going against God. And you can, you can get terribly hurt and you can get your insecurities all going and so on because <clears throat> somebody's being mean to you. They're going to be mean to you. Right? But remember that behind it all is the enemy and it's not you. As long as you're doing what God would have you to do, you're free and safe and easy. But understand, they will go against you, but it's the enemy. And you don't have to take it personally. I think sometimes we take things way too personally, don't we? We end up getting hurt over stuff that really we don't need to be hurt over, right? <clears throat> Verse 6, So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. All right, I want you to imagine the situation in Jerusalem, right? When Nehemiah arrived there, there's a pile of rubble. There's rubble here, there's rubble there, all around. Because what happened is the walls had been torn down and all the debris from the walls was sitting uh, where it had fallen, right? So, and there were places you couldn't even get through. So now they've built up half the wall, right? The wall is completed, half the wall is completed. Uh, they've joined it together, which is a fantastic feat. But you know what? Now they still have what looks like a pile of rubble because it's got half a wall and the rest of the rubble is there all the time. And now they're getting tired, Right? When you're halfway there, can be a dangerous time in doing something. When, you, when you've got a halfway finish, that can be a dangerous time. Uh, and that's right where they are. They're, they're, they're at the halfway point. Uh, they've, they've built the wall, and uh, they had a mind to work. They've, they've torn into it. They've gone after it, but they're halfway there. The rubble's all around them. They're looking at the rubble. They're looking at the wall. They're thinking, we're wrecked. We're tired. How can we go on? And besides that, these other guys are trying to tear us down for, for doing it. So they're, they're, they're in a crisis moment now. Those moments are, you see, you, you, your life is actually moments rather than a big, broad expanses very often. It's what happens in those moments that create what happens in the big, broad expanse. Right? Because the, the, their response, and particularly in this case, Nehemiah's response to the situation, is going to dictate whether the rest of the wall gets built or not. It would have been very easy for all the people of Jerusalem to say, come on, there's no way we can do that. And give up at this point. Nehemiah is going to have to respond right, and they're going to have to go with him. Because he can't build it by himself. Uh, if it's going to work out, right? <clears throat> Verse 7, But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabian, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, and that the breaches began to be stopped, that they were very wroth. They were, they were I'll tell you what, they were angry, they were upset, uh, they were afraid, uh, they were wondering what's going to happen here, right? <clears throat> and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Right? So they were going to fight against them now. And nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. Crisis moment has just landed. What do you do in the crisis moment? 
What do you do when everything falls apart and you're in the place where you think you can't go on? They've got the enemy against them. Uh, the, 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 there's, there's so much rubbish around them. They can't, they can't see their way to build a, build a wall. What do you do in that moment? What do you do in that moment when the bottom drops out? You know, everybody's just charging along. They're moving along up to this point. And then all of a sudden, everybody thinks, well, there's so much rubbish. It's only halfway built. Though the enemy is against us, he's trying, to, he's trying to go after us and attack us and stop us from building it. What do you do then? You know, isn't it fine and easy uh, <clears throat> to do the work of the Lord in a, in a fine day? In a good day? When everybody else is for it and it's a happy day and so on. What do you do when it gets to the place where you're thinking, I can't do this? That indicates more about you than how you respond in the fine day. Right? See what Nehemiah does. Um, and our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come up in the midst of them and slay them and cause the, the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence he shall return unto us, uh, they will be upon you. Right? So now <clears throat> what happens is the, the Jews that were there as well, they began to get afraid. And they began to say ten times, so they're saying it over and over again. It doesn't matter what you do. They're going to come and get They're going to get us. They're going to get us. They are going to get us. Right? There's no way we could see that the, can succeed at this thing. They're going to get us. We're finished. We might as well give up and go home is the implication. By the way, don't be one of those people. Don't be one of those people who sees all the negatives and tries to tear the heart out of everybody else when you see the negatives. That's not a gift. That's a curse. Right? Some people reckon their ability to see the situation uh, for what it is uh, as a gift. If, you're situ- if you see the situation, you only see the negatives. That's not a gift, it's a curse. Don't do that to everybody else, right? <clears throat> but they're saying ten times, listen, there's no way uh, they're going to come and they're going to get us, right? Uh, Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall, and in the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible. Uh, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Now, we're going to stop there. We'll, we'll look at the rest of it next week. What does Nehemiah do to, 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 to encourage them? He says, remember the Lord. He is great and terrible. Now, that's what you need to do in the crisis moment. That's what we need to do. We need to remember the Lord. He is great and terrible. Has there ever been a problem that the Lord couldn't fix? But that's not what you feel when you're in the crisis moment, is it? You feel like he won't fix this. This is never going to get any better. This is always going to be the same. We've been dealing with this now, uh, you know, for, for, for 26 days. And all we've got is a pile of rubble. And now, on top of that, they're going to attack us and they're going to kill us. There's no way we can do this. We shouldn't have started. Let's just give up. Isn't that how they're feeling? Isn't that similar to what happened to the nation when they were going into the promised land the first time? Isn't it? God brought them right up to the edge where they were about to walk in, and the ten spies came out and said, there's no way. I I actually think, you know, the ten ten spies had a bit of a reaction to the two spies that were talking talking it up so big. 
I think that I think there was some begrudgery amongst the ten spies as well. Now the Bible doesn't say that. I just think that, humanly speaking, right? <clears throat> um, but I think there was some begrudgery there, and they they didn't want these guys building it all up, and they, they they wanted to tear it down. And they were saying, "No way! There's no way! Those people are too big for us. They're too strong for us. They're, uh, <clears throat> they would kill us. They would devour us. There's no." And they swayed the whole group, so that all those people went out in their carcasses. They died in the wilderness. <clears throat> now. When it comes to the crisis moment, how you respond is key. You can't have the mindset, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. Right? You've got to have the mindset, now what does God want in this situation? You've got to bring God into the situation. God's got to be in the center of the situation because he's the miracle worker. He is great and terrible. He can do absolutely anything. So you've got to... T- take and you've got to look at him and you've got to bring him and his power into the situation right so let's pray and then we'll we'll go to our sheet father would you bless us tonight help us to get a handle on these things that we might be helped and strengthened and encouraged and oh lord that you might be blessed uh in our response to you in jesus name amen you know god wanted the wall built didn't he god raised nehemiah up to build the wall God provided everything to build the wall. He, he stirred the people's hearts to build the wall. Was God in this, do you think? He was, wasn't he? God's always in the, in the difficulties in life. Now, what Nehemiah needed, and he does, he knows, listen, this is of God. God's going to do it. There's no way this can fail. Uh, and he needed to plow on. He didn't need to go down with it. Right? God was in, God's in the difficulties in your life just as much as he's in the good days of your life. The difficulties are more important in some ways, right? <clears throat> All right then, so we need to look beyond the rubbish in our lives to what God can do. Right? God specializes in reviving rubbish. God specializes in dealing with problems. In fact, doesn't God always bring problems into your life to deal with? Isn't that where he gets glory? I mean, if, if, if your life and my life went the way we want them to go, right, nice, even, everything going just right, no problems, you know, we'd be happy. Wouldn't we be such a good testimony, we tell ourselves? No, we wouldn't. But, but that's the way we want our lives to go. But where would the glory for God be? Why would we need God in our lives? God specializes in creating and fixing problems. So you need to look beyond the rubbish to God. Um, <clears throat> let me read you some of what Paul Chapel says. Um, look instead to what God can do. He created the universe with mere words. Now think about it. Do you you know this, uh, just this past um, week, they discovered uh, a new star that's bigger than anything they knew was out there? What does that mean? That means man doesn't know how big this universe is, not by a long shot. We, we, we don't know. <laughs> you know, the, 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 there's actually uh, a thought that it may be infinite. Because we can't get to the end of it. Right? Now, he spoke it all into being with just words. Right? How big is your problem to somebody like that? It's nothing. He can fix your problem. Like that. If he doesn't, he has a reason. He's not forgotten about you. He gave Abraham a son and billions of descendants when he was as good as dead. It was impossible. Abraham looked at Sarah. He said, it's impossible. But God, if you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But it was impossible. 
Is your, is your situation as impossible as that, by the way? Uh, he parted the Red Sea and provided for an entire nation of people through 40 years in the wilderness. He gave a shepherd boy victory over a giant who happened to be a veteran warrior as well. He multiplied the meager resources of a starving widow. He healed a man with a death sentence of leprosy. He protected his servants in the fiery furnace. He sealed the mouth of hungry lions uh, from so much as laying a tooth on his prophet. He delivered Israel from Babylonian captivity and he raised Christ from the dead. This is our God. Like This is our God. You need to lift your eyes and remember him. Remember him. Your problem seems huge to you on a Wednesday night. But you know what? When it comes to our God, it's, it's nothing. In fact, he knows you have the problem. In fact, we'd have to say this, that he allowed the problem in your life because he could have stopped it. He allowed the problem in your life. So because he allowed the problem and he knows you have the problem and he has the power to fix the problem, what's stopping him from fixing it? Why would he not fix it? Sorry? Okay. I, I think sometimes we actually can put the blame on ourselves too much. Now, sometimes that's true because he's looking for you to give your all to him. But sometimes he's just working in your life. Sometimes he's just using this thing to... It may not be that you're doing anything wrong at all. He's just got his hand in there and he's working in you. He's helping you to grow. He's helping you to move. And I wish, I wish for me, I wish I could read it and say, oh, great job, amen, God got that now. Next thing. But that's not what happens, is it? I read it, I see it, and then God puts the thumb screws on, and then I get it. And so God has to work in our lives. Remember, you and I are interested in a nice, happy, easy life. Yeah? That's what I want. I'm I'm for that. I'm signing up for that any day uh, of the week, right? I want a nice, easy, happy life, all right? But, you know, God's interested in a better eternity for me. His his view is different to the whole thing. He's he's not coming to my party of a nice, happy, easy life, peaceful life. You know, he's he's got plans. And we, we do need to keep that in mind always, every day as Christians. It's not about now. It's not about what's going on now. You see, this is only the beginning of the beginning. When you close your eyes in this world, that's just the end of the beginning of the beginning. It's not the end of anything. You know, God has, God has got plans for you then. So what he's going to do is he's going to work in your life right now, and he's going to do things that, you know, uh, you may not be happy with. <clears throat> but he's going to do things and use them for your blessing. And you're going to, do, you, do you want to share that with us all here? <laughs> Val, you have your hand up there. There's, there's, for the, there's a conversation going on here across the, across the room, all right? He's at work in our lives. So you're going to have problems. There's going to be difficulties. But remember, 
He specializes in difficulties. He can fix difficulties. They're, 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 uh, they're no problem to him. Right? Secondly, <clears throat> lift your eyes beyond the rubbish to what you can do. What happens when, 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 I, when the rubbish gets up over your head? Oh, what is it that you feel like doing? Sitting down and giving up, don't you? Um, <clears throat> when discouragement sets in, it's joined by its cousins apathy and paralysis. It's not what happens. You just want to give up. You just want to sit down. I can't do this. I mean, all these people that were, that were, that were working on the wall, they, they wanted to just sit down. And so, now, by the way, what would have happened if they'd all gotten off the wall and sat down? No. How would they ever have gotten motivated to do it again? They wouldn't, would they? They, they, they had to stay at it. Because if they gave up, if they took a break, if they took a rest, it wasn't going to happen. Don't you sometimes want to take a break from Christianity? Don't you sometimes want to just take the easy path for a while? Just kind of stay home in bed on a Sunday. You know, because you know what? <laughs> you know, just, just get a lie on. It's a day of rest and all the rest. You know, just, just take a, take a break. Now, what happens if you take a break? It gets very hard to get back, doesn't it? It gets very hard to actually, to actually do it. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I often wonder for preachers that, that, that take a break from preaching, how to actually get back, in, back into it. Sometimes I come back from being away, you know, uh, it feels like I've got to take this, this, this heavy blanket back on my shoulders uh, to get to do it, you know? And <clears throat> the thing is, if you take a break, sometimes what happens is, you, listen, you just end up not wanting to get back. And I think that's happened to so many people. You know, you got to be careful. Well, what happens when you take a break in your marriage? You give up fighting for your marriage? Oftentimes, it just fizzles out. What happens, you know, when you take a break from studying? Mm. How many of you have taken a break from studying? No, don't, I won't ask you to raise your hands on that one, right? Eh? Uh, but how many of you have taken a break from studying and never went back to it? Isn't that so often what happens? When you take a break from saving. You know, oftentimes, what we want to do is we want to take a break. But when we get discouraged and take a break, paralysis sets in, and we oftentimes get nothing done. <clears throat> now, sometimes what you need to do is not do anything physical as such. You need to pray. But you don't give up and take a break and just sit in the sidelines and watch the world go by for a while. That's bad for you. You know, that, is, that is really bad for you. Don't, don't do that one in your life. You need to keep moving ahead. And um, sometimes you need to pray and say, Lord, what do I do? But you need to be actively seeking what you're supposed to do, not just sitting there doing nothing. You're seeking what God, what God would have you to do. And then you need to rely on the Lord. <clears throat> Look at Nehemiah 4, 4, verse 14. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, um, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren and your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. Right? So he, 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 he tells them to, to rely on the Lord, who is great and terrible, and to fight. So he motivates them to actually move ahead. Uh, look at Isaiah 41, verse 10. Who'll read that for us? Isaiah 41, verse 10. Mark, you read it there. You're up the front here, right? (coughs) 
you're the only mark we have at the moment. Here, go ahead. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Okay, God says, fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. You need to remember God in, in those moments and rely on him. You need to rely on the Lord in those moments because if you don't, you'll think... Now, when Nehemiah reminded these people of, the God, of their God who was great and terrible, what do you think happened for them? Probably not. Pardon? Probably not, well, some probably did. There probably would have, would have been that. But I think for, for some of the people there would have been this, oh yeah, God's in this. We can do it. God's in it. You know, and by the way, that's a good person to be in the crowd. The one who reminds people that God is in it. The one who says, hang on a minute, God's in this. It'll be okay. What does God want us to do in the situation? Be the one that reminds people that God is in the situation. You need to, <clears throat> you need to consider his promises. Right? Hebrews 13.5 says <clears throat> that he is with us. And lo, I... <clears throat> um, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Right? God promises that he will be with us. You need to keep that in mind. God is not going to forsake me. He is always going to be with me, no matter what I'm facing. God is going to be with me in it. And that changes the situation. If you just get that truth in your head, that changes the situation. Let me, let me get stuck at some, some verses here. Psalm 142. Everybody turn there to Psalm 142. Now, this is when David's on the run from Saul. Now, remember, when David was on the run from Saul, he'd been anointed to be king, so he was told he was going to be king. Do you think he felt much like he was going to be king? Because the king and the whole army of the nation of Israel was chasing him down. How would you like that? If everybody was on your case chasing you down. But in Psalm 142, David deals with the lowest depths of discouragement. And what he does is, he's masterful. He takes you right down to the lowest depths of discouragement, and then he brings you up the other side of it. Because he shows you, David was great in the Psalms for telling him what was going on on the inside. Now, he knew what was going on on the inside, and he was able to express it. And so oftentimes, that's what the Psalms are. They're expressing what's going on for David. And he said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me... Ever have a time when your spirit's overwhelmed within you? I just can't do this. This is impossible. This is more than I'm able for. His spirit was overwhelmed within him. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way where and I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. Right, so <clears throat> what's he saying? Listen, everywhere, everywhere he went, there were snares laid for him. There were traps laid. Do you, you ever feel like that? Like people are out to get you? And it's not because you're paranoid? Because they really are out to get you? <clears throat> Do you ever feel that? Like people are out to get you? That David was not being paranoid. They, they were laying snares for him. He says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. You know, Saul would kill you if you sheltered David. He'd kill the priests for sheltering David. So, you know, if you saw David coming down the road and he was your friend, 
you kind of went into hiding. Don't come in here, Dave. We, we don't want Saul coming down here and killing all of us. No man cared for my soul. Refuge failed me. I, <clears throat> I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Now, that's a bold statement of faith. You are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. You're the, well, what did he mean? How would God be your refuge? How would you make God your refuge when you pe- felt people were against you? Yeah, you flee to him. What David says here, he says, I poured out my c- complaint before him. He came and he laid it all on God. He talked it all out with God. He, he told God all the problems. Do you ever do that? That's really important uh, thing for you to do. Just lay it all on God. He can handle it. You don't have to pack it up nice for God and get control of it inside before you lay it all on God. He can handle it. Just lay it all on Him. Pour out your complaint before Him. You may even have it wrong. You may be feeling sorry for yourself and you're wrong. God can handle it. You can sort that later on with Him. But listen, pour out your complaint before God. Talk to Him about it. Lay it all on him, right? <clears throat> I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Listen, when all other refuge fails you, he is there and always will be there. He is your refuge. <clears throat> Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Humanly speaking, his situation is hopeless. But it's never hopeless when God's in the situation. So he turns it over to God, and he says, Deliver me from them, Lord. Right? Uh, Verse 7, Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Now, get the picture here. David's in a cave. Saul's on his case. Saul wants to kill him. You know, at different times, even his own men wanted to kill him, right? Uh, So he's, he's, he's just in a bad place, in a bad way, and he's saying... The righteous are going to compass me about. That's faith, isn't it? Because he has no human reason for believing that whatever. Let me ask you, did it happen? Yeah, he became king. He became a much greater king than Saul. And the righteous did compass him about. So here's here's the thing. When you're in the place where the rubbish is piled high and you feel like there's no way out, remember God. Bring God into your situation. Rely on Him. Consider His promises. Consider what God has promised to do in your life. God can, God can take care of any situation. But what you've got to do is, you've got to bring Him into the situation. It doesn't get fixed if you don't bring Him into it. I, um, look at Psalm 42. Psalm 42, verse 5, and then verse 11, they mirror each other, but they're they're, they're duplicates of each other, right? This is David talking to himself. Now, you talk to yourself, too. We all talk to ourselves. We talk a lot to ourselves. What does he say to himself? He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God... For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now that's, that's kind of hard to do when you're down, isn't it? 
you, you give yourself a talking to and you, you tell yourself, I'm going to praise him for the help of his countenance. Lord, I'm, I'm relying on you. I'm depending upon you. I will yet praise you. Let me ask you a question here. Right? Is it possible that you would live your life seeking him and end up at the end of your day saying, man, that was a bad deal. Is that possible? Don't you sometimes think? He likes to be praised. Okay, but, it, but, is it, but is it possible that you could end up with your life in a wreck and ruin and you've lived your life for him? It's not possible. Because he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That is who he is. Now, you say, <clears throat> now I, I, I get this in your head too. You know, a reward is not something bad ever. Right? A reward is not something bad. Ultimately, you will have trials. You will have struggles. You will have difficulties. You won't get everything you want. It won't work out the way you expect it to work out all the time. But if you diligently seek him, he will reward you. That's for certain. Nobody comes to the end of their days and says, Oh, I wish I'd done something else with my life apart from following God. So you can say with the psalmist, you can say <clears throat> that um, <clears throat> I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. No matter how bad your situation is, I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. That's real. You can take that on board. He says it again in verse 11. Why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Right. So understand that. that listen, <clears throat> God will work your situation out. Now, don't pin him down and tell him he has to work it out in this way. Because that may not be his plan, but he will work your situation out. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God has a plan to give you an expected end. Do you think God has a plan for your life? Isn't that amazing, isn't it? The God that spoke the universe that we're not sure whether it's infinite or not into being, actually has taken thought for me and for my life. And he's got a plan. I want that plan. I don't want to get in the way of that plan at all. I want, I, listen, I want to cooperate with that plan. I mean, it, 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 the God who can do all that has a plan for my life. I tell you what, I've had enough plans for my life that have been rubbish. I want his plan. I, I want to go all the way with his plan. You see, <clears throat> we need to consider his promises. Consider God. Bring God into your situation. And then you need to consider the enemy. <clears throat> Discouragement is one of his best tools. When you're down, the enemy's not going to say, ah, give her a break. I'll, ju I'll, I'll, I'll just, just let her get back on her feet before I go after her again. He's not. When you're down, the enemy's going to go in with the, <clears throat> with the boot. He, <clears throat> he's, he roameth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And when you're down, you need to be very careful when you're down because the enemy likes to go in there and just tear you up when you're down. You need not to stay down. You need to, you need to turn to the Lord uh, very quickly because discouragement is one of his best tools. He likes to take and he likes to actually get you just in that moment. And then finally, press on. Don't quit. 
Listen, God giving you a vision for something is God, God told you he wants something out of your life. God told you that the direction he wants you to go and something he wants you to actually achieve, something he wants you to do for him. Don't quit. Listen, it doesn't matter how bad it looks. It doesn't matter how impossible it looks. It doesn't matter, you know, the situation. Uh, humanly speaking, it looks like it couldn't happen and everybody else thinks it could never happen. That doesn't matter. If God is in it, he can bring it about. Don't quit. Don't step out. Don't lay down. Don't give yourself a break. Just keep on doing what God would have you to do. See, <clears throat> you know the old saying is, it's always darkest just before the dawn. Darkest and coldest and most miserable, isn't it? Just before the dawn. And you know what happens sometimes? We quit when God was just about to deliver. And I think we lose things because we quit when God is just about to deliver. Don't quit. Don't give up. Press on. Keep on going. Don't, don't let the enemy... The enemy's going to try to take you down. He's going to try and I get you out of the running. He's going to try and remove you from the race. Don't quit. Just keep on going. And what you'll find is, God does deliver. You know, be, be, between my needing deliverance and my deliverance, there's a whole lot that God does. But he does deliver. He, ultimately, he delivers. What he does, he uses that time greatly to make and to mold and to shape me. All right, any questions? I mean, <clears throat> Nehemiah's a great book. He's a great leader. Uh, keeping them going at this point, though, may well have been uh, his most important leadership moment. Just keeping them going in that moment, because if they lost it there, he would have Nehemiah been Nehemiah the half-wall builder. Dave? Yeah, they're broken up by... Well, no, that's not, that's not quite, quite true because they do gather as their families later on. Uh, they, they, they break up completely and get lost. But the, but the genealogies are all messed up even by this point. But they're, they're having a hard time deciding who's who. Anybody else? <clears throat> all right, then let's, <clears throat> let's pray and then we'll take a prayer request. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your people. And all over, we thank you for Nehemiah. Lord, help us to be a people that depend upon you and that rest on you and that look to you even in the discouraging moments. And Lord, would you lift up those that are discouraged tonight here, Lord, and encourage their hearts to trust in you and depend upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.